Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome into another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I am Ben Conlon. I've been taken hostage. And I'm joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. Jack, how are you? Jack. Jack. I just said, we're off to a great start here. Bennett. Be kind of sweet if you only ask yourself questions during the podcast. Jack, how do you feel about the transfer portal? Um, I'm, I'm actually worried about you. Are you okay? That backdrop looks really, um, really scary. Just a blank piece of drywall. It's a little bleak over here, but we're hanging in there. It's the Christmas spirit, holiday <laughs> spirit. Oh, we're <laughs> speaking of Christmas spirit. What is it? I was supposed to turn on that Christmas tree in the background up there. Uh-huh. But the uh, batteries are out. That's, that's tough. <laughs> that was that's really tough. anticlimactic. Should we be talking about Kobe King away yet, or do we have ad reads? Um, you have to hold off a little bit longer on that's your Kobe King away talk, which I know you're chomping at the bit to get there. That is the last segment on today's podcast. Yeah. First up, you do have to talk about the Valley Collab House. Yep, Three Notched. We love them. Sponsoring us through basketball season. Hopefully, I'll get there soon for another visit. We got a, a visit in the fall. It's just a very cozy place with fantastic beer. It makes me very happy. If you're in Harrisonburg, highly recommend visiting. And fortunately, if you're not in Harrisonburg, they do have a lot of locations in other spots in Virginia, which we have also visited together. I think we've been to three of their... F- no, we've been to... Four of their five, I want to say. We've definitely, I remember what, Charlottesville, Harrisonburg, Richmond. Was there in Roanoke? Oh, we did Roanoke. I forgot about Roanoke. Yeah, yeah Roanoke. Roanoke. So what are we missing? I think Virginia Beach. Okay, that's doable. All right. Next time we're at ODU. Next time we're at ODU. We'll be there. And uh, each, each brewery has their own specific thing. So you can find all flagships at each and every one. So of course you can get your 40 minute, your 40, your minute man. Man, I cannot talk to you. Your Minuteman IPA, wherever you go, but you can get fun, exclusive beers at each brewery. So if you're around the Harrisonburg area, pop on in. If you're then in Richmond the next day, pop on in. If you're in Roanoke, same thing goes. And while you're drinking that beer, you can be watching basketball and betting it. (laughs) (laughs) There's a little Santa down here. Did you even know it was there? No, I didn't notice that. That's awesome. That is the Christmas spirit. Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all of your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports and events, whether it's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, college basketball, college football, bowl season, even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. Bet online, where the game starts. Kurt Signetti, folks. Contract extension. Do you want to get us into the X's and O's of it all. I mean, it was a very interesting contract that I don't think I've seen 
this type of setup ever. I will say that I don't necessarily dive into the specifics of other coaches' contracts all that deeply. Um, but this did seem like it had a very interesting little amendment in it. Yeah, I think the amendment's like the interesting part because it looked like from reporting from the DNR, um, it only adds one year to his deal, I think. He already that had he announced year. in April. So there was yeah. already an extension in place that was announced in April through 2027. This right. then, quote unquote, extension was actually just a one year addition. But I think it was the stipulation added that was more of the extension. Yeah, because I don't think it boosts his pay. But <laughs> uh, if he wins eight FBS games in a season, they just add a year on. So any season he wins eight FBF, <laughs> FBS games or more, he just stays another year with, with the contract, right? Wouldn't it be hilarious if he gets to like 2028? 20, so the last year of his like contract, he's won like seven FBS games every year. Um, they're chugging, they're getting bowl eligible, you know, but not necessarily living up to it all. Jamie fans getting a little heated and then out of nowhere, he wins like a 10, like 10 games and then he gets like that extra year added on and just like starts chugging along that way. It's, it's a little bit of a weird thing. I was more surprised that there wasn't like a, apparently a pay raise that goes with it, which is interesting. So I don't know. We'll see. And then it sounded like his buyout remains very similar. So that was also interesting but like for the near term his buyout's pretty significant i think if he leaves before like 2024 or something it's um it's like 1.25 million if he goes to a power five so like that's that's significant i wanted to get your take on it where they instead of just adding let's say another three or four years at the end of this contract it's this way it's set up where if he hits eight fbs wins or more he gets that extra year how do you think that will play in with that buyout? Because traditionally, right, or correct me if I'm wrong, the longer the contract is, normally the bigger the buyout is. Yeah, yeah. Typically, like the early stages of a longer contract, you're going to have a bigger buyout. So I don't know exactly how it could change, might change, whatever in the future. I also think if they have the success that they're expecting to have in the next like one to three seasons, he, he might be gone. So we'll see what happens. But I know there were some people like on Facebook that were commenting once they announced it. And they were like, we've seen this before. It's like, yeah, he's probably not finishing the six-year contract. Like, you shouldn't expect <laughs> that given his salary and like how much he's winning. If they're like a borderline college football playoff team, which some fans in Signetti has said that they hoped could be a reality, then no, they're not paying him enough. Right? Like, <laughs> He's underpaid if he's not making a million dollars and he's taking them to like a college football playoff. That would be underpaid for the market. Yeah, 100%. Although I will say, I think there's only like maybe a handful of schools that he would genuinely leave to because I think he'd give Jamie the opportunity to like raise the yeah. salary if another team came to him. The only team that I'm genuinely worried about, it's West Virginia. So if you are a Dukes fan, like we... Oh, Sorry. You're a Dukes fan like we are. You got to hope Neil Brown has a good year. Yeah, that would be one that I think would be kind of a no-brainer from his view. So <coughs> ideally, you know, ideally West Virginia wins out. <laughs> he doesn't have the opportunity. But we'll see what happens. I'm excited that he's around for a while. I think they're going to be really good next year. They've been killing it in the portal. They're loaded up with guys. They return a lot. They yeah. should be really good. They flipped a coastal kid, right? 
yeah, um, yeah. which was a huge get. But I think more so was that quarterback out of Ashburn, Virginia, a Wake Forest transfer, technically, but uh, break it down. Yeah, I guess his last name is Griffith. Griffith. I don't, I don't really know, but he's a Wake Forest transfer, Brett Griffith. <laughs> I guess G R I F F I S as Jack has a coughing fit off stage, but he's a pretty good quarterback was, was highly touted out of high school, decent offers in the portal, including Colorado offered him with Deion Sanders. Uh, I think Georgia Southern old dominion were also offers that he shared. So he's a talented guy, four years of eligibility left, which is exciting. So you've essentially got him plus Jordan McLeod for multiple seasons and then whoever returns. So they should have good depth and competition in the spring and then in the fall at quarterback, which is a good thing. So it's, yeah, so it was nice to get two in the portal. I think that makes sense. They're probably in a good spot now at quarterback. Yeah, I kind of love the idea of Signetti getting a guy with four years of eligibility, right? Like me and you were kind of talking about maybe you go after and get another another kid that has one or two years that you can compete with McLeod but has that experience, that starting quarterback experience. This is essentially getting a freshman in here, a freshman from high school, because he really didn't even play it. He didn't play at Wake, and he has all four years. Yeah, it's, it's <clears> an, and then his brother did play at Wake, so I, I think they're, at least for me at the initial stage of him committing, there was some confusion. Because it was like, oh, is that the guy who came in? That was Sam Hartman's backup, like lit up VMI. No, that's his <laughs> older brother. But he is, <laughs> he is a good player that had some really good offers. So they've got better depth at quarterback, which I think is exciting and probably necessary. I don't know if you mentioned this. He was a three-star coming out of high school. Did you watch his huddle tapes? I did not watch his huddle tapes. Did you watch his huddle tapes? They keep talking about it because his huddle tapes, man, they were actually pretty good. He, he was slinging it. And I and I know, of course, it's huddle tapes. It's highlights. It's the best of his best. But pocket collapsing, my mans can throw it on the run and put it right where it needs to be. He's mobile. He's accurate. He's got a good little arm on him. I'm excited about him. I think there might be a possible. I'm not saying this is going to happen, but I think there's a possibility he even might beat out Jordan McLeod this year. I think it'll be competitive. Like I think he's one that has some pretty good pedigree, so I'd expect him to at least come in there and start to learn the system and maybe compete. And then you might have Barnett doing the same. And then I don't know if Billy Atkins is going to stay, but maybe he makes a leap and is at least in in the mix for something, even if it's just the backup role. Because Atkins has had good like camps before, and they've yeah, talked I mean, about was... things they like. He just obviously struggled last year um, during some of the games. But I don't know. It seems like they're in a pretty good spot. They added um, Elijah Surratt as well, Josh or Surratt, Josh Surratt's brother, who's a wide receiver from St. Francis, had 43 catches last year. I think 12 of them were touchdowns. Wow. So he's he's like 6'3", 205, and can run. Okay, like that. That sounds so nice. He's got three years left, so he's he's good. Back to the quarterback really quick. Yes. Do you think we see Billy and Alonzo potentially enter their name in the portal or be maybe late movers? Um, because with him coming in with four years of eligibility, you think he would then jump over both Barnett and Atkins and be in at least that number two spot. But also we're kind of at the end of the portal season, or at least the craziness of the portal season. So at this point... Do you expect Barnett or Atkins, either one, to enter the portal? They still could. I know there's – I think you can't take official visits now for like two or three weeks. And I guess the high school signing day is the 21st. So we're recording this on December 20th. 
But I think after that, and even in the maybe after spring, maybe they try to go through spring ball and then they get in or something like that. I'm sure both guys would be super enticing to like even lower level G5 or FCS schools. So I think they could go through spring, see where they actually stand, especially if you're like Barnett, who kind of moved up the ranks, highly touted. You you know, if you were in the backup job, right, you're in a pretty decent spot to even start in a couple of years. But it's it's also not not given or anything like that. And um, with Signetti, right, where he could leave and things could shake yeah. up dramatically at the quarterback spot. And then at the same time, if you do, if you are like McLeod's backup, you could be the backup and they could still go right back to the portal. So it's not like if you're the backup now, right? It's not a given that, oh, well, if I just wait, I'm going to have that chance. So it's most people aren't going to be a Cole Johnson and sit around for a while. So <laughs> I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how they, they take the news of a guy with four years left coming in. Yeah. I think it might make a real shake on, but shake up of that quarterback room here in the near future. Um, anyone else in the transfer portal that has hit that you want to talk about, or I know I you've been following a lot good. closer than I have. Those were two of the most recent. They've definitely, so they've added three total wide receivers. They also got a guy from South Florida. Um, yeah, that's, that's one of the bigger ones. I know we mentioned the, the kicker. I don't know if we actually mentioned that on the podcast or after they're going after the Texas state kicker. He committed to Kansas, so they won't have him, but they've, they've got some good guys in the portal. Signing day, it seems like they've done a nice job. Uh, one of their wide receivers, uh, Barry, 6'6", kid from Maryland. Maryland offered him, like, yesterday. So uh-huh. it'll be interesting to see if he stays locked into to JMU or if he, all right, in-state Big Ten school, if they can flip him at the last minute. So we'll see see there. But they've added a pretty good class. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. They seem like they've done well in recruiting, and they haven't had any major guys announce that they'll leave yet, which is big. Yeah, I think that's the biggest part, <laughs> less so about who they've brought in in the portal than the guys who haven't left. Because I fully thought Walker or Taurus Jones were going to leave or someone on the defensive line or even Kalon Black. Like, I thought a big name was going into the portal, which still very well could happen, but it hasn't happened yet, and I'm shocked by that. Yeah, if they do return everyone... And then also add these guys. Like, I mean, I don't think it's wild to think they could like run the table or get very well, close to it. Well, they're they're not bringing back everyone. They lost a huge player in Andrew Adair. That's that's true. We haven't talked about that enough. Some of the transfers, the you know the long snapper depth chart. What's that mean for chemistry in the room? I'm, you're asking the wrong guy because I I just don't know. But yeah, you get every guy in the two deep, plus some <laughs> of these transfer additions. That's pretty exciting, especially when you look at like a UVA is not a overwhelming power five team uh-huh. that they're playing against. UConn just got kind of smoked by Marshall at the beginning. Of the, like they're, <laughs> they're getting better, but they're not good. Yeah. And then what they added Utah state was kind of a weird one, Ooh. but like they could, the Sunbelt's obviously tough too, but like they could legitimately put themselves in a, like they should be winning 10 plus games type of scenario going into the season, which is kind of fun. Yeah, they should be able to win 10-plus games, and Signetti should get another year. Yeah, he would he would add to his years. That's true. <laughs> Such a weird breakdown. Um, that was strange. So men's basketball, moving things right along. Men's basketball, they just took down LIU by a score of a lot more than the other team. Um, they're going to play Coppin State, I believe, tomorrow. Yes. Um, we're recording on the 20th, so they take them on on the 21st. Um I would assume that's also going to be a win. They are 
Nine and three this season, two losses against Power Five teams. That third loss against Valpo, which was a quad four loss, not a good look for our at large chances. Um, but are there any takeaways at all from this non conference slate? Like at all? It's getting it's getting worse, which is like honestly impressive. Like South <laughs> you Dakota mean like State the game- free fall. They're not good. Yeah. I was gonna say is that what you mean? Like Every team that they played have gotten worse from their Ken Palm. It's just like a lot of the teams suck to begin with and they just like haven't moved a lot. But then it's like coming in, it was like, oh, well, like North Carolina is the best team in the country. It's like, no, they're no, they're not. And then like Virginia's kind of in a similar spot Ken Palm wise. Like AP pull had them like at the at the back end of it. But Ken Palm had them in like the top ten. They might have been like top five for most of the year. So they're pretty steady when you look at like Ken Palm. And then you look at some of the others. South Dakota State was like fringe top 100. They played Oral Roberts the other day on Monday. They lost by 39. I mean, they oh. suck. They're not good. What about Valpo? Has their Ken Palm gone up or down? Valpo sucks. Valpo started the season at 215. They're now 292. That's a horrible loss. <laughs> like, Valpo's terrible. And then <laughs> since that game, they lost to Belmont, Murray State. They beat Trinity Christian. Mississippi beat them by a billion. Then they had a competitive home win over Elon, which is 343 in Ken Palm. So, like, Valpo's not good. They have <laughs> their wins. Okay, so Valpo's wins. You have five wins. One of them is against a non-D1. Three of them are against sub-300 Ken Palms. And their other win is against JMU. So not a, not a great loss there. <laughs> But it's just like they didn't – everyone who you thought like, oh, maybe that team's good. Maybe Buffalo could be something. And then you see that they like have a neutral site loss to Howard. Like They're just – they're not great. They're not. And they're going to finish it at Coppin State in a very interesting three-game road trip here. Uh, going to be at Coppin State to wrap up the non-conference schedule uh, tomorrow. Then on the 29th after Christmas at Georgia State – then two days later, you got to get from Atlanta, Georgia to Huntington, West Virginia. I'm not sure what that travel plan looks like. Not sure where they're flying into from Atlanta. That'll be interesting to see um, how they handle the travel from Atlanta to Huntington, West Virginia. And Marshall's the second best team in the Sun Belt right now that runs at an extremely high tempo, much like the Dukes. So a high scoring game that is going to be an early test for the Dukes and I think one of the one takeaways I have from this non-conference slate was that the one time they were kind of tested with tired legs, three games in three days, all on the road, they lost that game, which kind of worries me for going to Marshall with three road games in a row and a tough travel schedule. It kind of worries me that they may have some dead legs in that one, and it may be a bad loss that won't be indicative of how this team actually is but indicative that this team maybe doesn't travel that well slash doesn't i don't, I don't want to try and put them down they've had a fantastic <laughs> non-conference but like that's my takeaway that like the one time they were kind of backs to the wall you have tired legs you're playing in a tough spot they couldn't come through the the good part is i guess from road game one to road game two there's a christmas break in between so they're like that part yeah. shouldn't too So it's much. like not a true road trip, but it's right. You're not and, playing and at State's home. a pretty easy one in terms of <laughs> it's like Baltimore or whatever. But then after that, I think that is a good point. That so you play the night of the I think it's the night of, maybe it's during the yeah, it's a night game. 
uh, at Georgia State. Yeah, 7 p.m. And then you go play Marshall at 2 o'clock on a Saturday. So it's a pretty quick turnaround. Marshall is going to be at home on the 29th against App State. So Marshall hasn't played a road game since December 13th. They might send players home maybe for like a day or two around Christmas, depending on where they're from. But that's not like, you know, game travel. So it's it's pretty easy for them travel-wise. So that's an interesting little point is like, yeah, JMU doesn't have a full 48 hours to recover, and then they have a little bit of travel. And Marshall's at this point uh, one of the other, maybe the second best team in the Sun Belt. So that's going to be an interesting one. If you can get that one on the road, though, with a little tough travel schedule. Oh, yeah. Look out. That's a, that's a game where, like, if you get it, I'm all in. And then if mm-hmm. you lose it, I'm not out at all. It's just going to be like a – I. that's a spot where if you're a sports better – Say you're betting with Bet Online or something like that, using code Believe to sign up to get your 50% welcome bonus. But sure. if you see that JMU's plus one, plus two, even favored in that matchup, which I don't think they will be, Ken Palm has Marshall to win that by two. So I imagine the line will be around Marshall minus two. I think I might hammer Marshall on that spot. It'll be an interesting one for sure because they've they've played pretty well this year, and both teams love to fly like the in terms of their speed, yeah. like tempo wise, like they go very fast. So it is one that like every advantage you can have physically is a big deal. Fortunately for Jamie, they're super deep and they just got Terrell Strickland yep. back. So they add even Talk about that. option. How did Terrell play against his dad? He was phenomenal in that game. He was really good. Which is surprising. Maybe, maybe, maybe surprising to me and not to you, but he comes in after not playing all season, and gets 15 minutes, puts up eight points, uh, five steals, eight assists, two rebounds. But I'm kind of shocked that he had that much run in a game, in his first game back. Yeah, 15 minutes, and then to have like eight assists to one turnover, you'd think there might be <laughs> rust. Because it was also, it was one of his hands, I think. Yeah, yeah, well, he like had a whole cast on him. So it's not like, like he's he not like practicing. Or, yeah, it's not like he was working on his shooting or practicing with that kind of stuff probably for a little bit here until he finally got healthy. But yeah, cool for him to play well against LIU, which has had a really tough season, uh, to, say, to say the least, <laughs> to this point. But it was, it was one Jamie was expected to win, but it was still fun uh, with Rod Strickland being the coach of LIU and Terrell being actually – able to play against it would have been a huge bummer if he couldn't play in that game does it worry you at all that liu hung 79 on jmu or not at all because james played their d team for a majority of this game they scored so they scored of their 79 they scored 42 of them in the last 10 minutes (laughs) wow i think it was kind of they outscored jmu 42 to 20 over the last quarter of the game so i think it's it's one that was like very much over and they're like yo let's Let's run some of our our guys who are not going to play a single minute in some both games, <laughs> and we'll probably see that against Coppin State too. Yeah, it's a dog crap schedule, man. Marshall game though. Marshall game will be fun. Although JMU lost the game the last time they played each other. Played Marshall? No, Coppin. Oh, they, yeah, that was like a wasn't that a row Coppin State loss? Uh huh. Yeah, that was a tough one. They beat them in overtime in 2018, 81-71. The next year, at home again in 2019, a 94-78 loss. Yeah, I don't. There's just no reason to lose to them. Yeah, there's. If Jamie loses to them, I'm all out. 
<laughs> all out. <laughs> Probably not, but but our at-large chances are gone. If we went out, our at-large chances are nice. Yeah, it could be interesting actually if they start to rack, you know, put some wins together. Valpo hurts them a little bit, but their net's still pretty good right now. Yeah. We'll be fine. I can't wait for conference play. Next podcast we'll be able to talk about next podcast will be Maybe we'll be able preview. to talk previewing conference play. We'll be able to preview Georgia State Marshall. Yeah. That'll be our the return of the three notch preview. So excited for that. Um, but first, Coppin State. And then women's basketball on the other side. They just wrapped up game one of the Hawks Classic. Is that what they're calling it? I think so. Yeah, the Hawk Classic yep. just wrapped up game one. Kind of demolished Eastern Michigan. It was kind of a 10-point game back and forth in the first quarter, second quarter. They were looking a lot better than Eastern Michigan, though. Then the third quarter, the flip just switched, and the Dukes went on a huge run and built up a 30-point lead and never relinquished it, of course. And Bennett, who, who was in the – who, who, sorry, who's back? Kobe King Hawaii. She's back. I mean – well, I keep saying she's back. She's this is the first time she's ever played in a Jimmy uniform. So she she's made here. her debut. How'd she look? You, you, we've been waiting all year for this moment, and all you can say is, "Well, she's not <laughs> technically back." I would say that she was everything you could have hoped for and more. So they gave her seventeen minutes. She goes eleven points and four of eight shooting, four rebounds, one assist, couple turnovers. She was highly efficient. She had one play late in the game where she like got it baseline, hit like a fadeaway jumper. Like there's just players on the team that can't do that. And she was like smart with the ball, had a couple like 50-50 balls, and she was like tapping around the air to herself away from a defender. She's just very polished. And it was uh it was a joy to watch. They played really well. And she was kind of outshined by uh Kozlova. Who had she had 18 on nine of eleven shooting? Like she started the game and they just fed it to her like every possession and she was scoring. If you can have that, plus like Anna Goodman gives you some run, some positive run, like you're good in the post. I mean, they won the game. What they won the game by 35 points and Kiki Jefferson was four of sixteen. You stole my exact line. I was gonna say they demolished Eastern Michigan 78-43, and Kiki finished with just nine points. That's a great sign for JMU. That's a fantastic sign. Yeah, it's huge. And then, like, I don't know how great Eastern Michigan is necessarily, but they were six, six and two. two coming into the game. So it's like I don't know if the six and two is like, oh wow, they're elite. But I think they're, if I'm not mistaken, I think even their like her hoop stats rating was respectable. Like they've got a pretty competitive team, and their losses this year um, were each by six points. So they were competitive in in those two losses to. 35 piece them with your best player, you know, shooting 25% from the floor is insane. It's the first time I've seen them play in a long time where when they played fast, I was like, yes, like keep going fast. You look efficient. You're killing it. I think they had more assists to turnovers again. Yeah. That's gotta be like three years since that happened. Yeah. They only had how many turnovers? They only had 10 turnovers, 17 assists, and they forced Eastern Michigan into 24 turnovers, and Eastern Michigan only had five assists. That is the recipe to win for the Dukes. And not only that, we talked about Kiki only having nine points. 
Peyton McDaniel, their number two scoring option, had nine points. So your number one and number two players didn't hit double digits and you were able to just absolutely wax an otherwise okay team, an okay mid-major team. That's that's huge. Kozlova, shout out to her. Fantastic down low. King Hawea, an amazing jolt for this team. Uh, Claire Neff hit some big-time shots. She hit a uh, contested fadeaway three bank shot in. Granted, I don't think that's something you can necessarily count on. That was her only made shot. But from a defensive side, she was really all, all over on the court doing a lot. A lot of the dirty work, very necessary for this Dukes team. And she didn't jack up a lot of shots. That's the key. Like, if Claire Neff is one for three from three a game, I'm totally fine with that. And she's making an impact on the defensive end. That's the type of role I think she needs to kind of step into. And I think this team can go a lot, a lot pretty far through the Sun Belt. Because you, you would assume, I think this is a fair assumption, and correct me if I'm wrong, Kiki will have better games. Peyton McDaniel will have better games. Kozlova will come down. And you think Kobe King-Hawaii can maintain, you know, a four of eight for 11 point type of performance. This team can win a lot of Sunbelt games. Absolutely. Yeah, they can They can really be pretty darn solid. I was also really impressed. It feels like Hazel's taking a step. She was five of eight, and that's yep. coming off consecutive games where she was four of nine. So there were some early in the season where she was kind of inefficient. But when she's efficient, she gets steals, can have some assists. She's a dynamic player. And when you can have her as like your fourth option, it becomes pretty, pretty cool. So I like the way she's playing. I thought she was really efficient. I thought the entire team looked awesome. They've got a pretty significant test tomorrow because they play back-to-back games in this one. Yeah. Um, you're very right on Hazel being efficient. Second most efficient team, efficient player on the team tonight. Uh, first was Kozlova, but not far behind her. Hazel was the second most efficient, followed by McDaniel, Rowe, King Hoea, Jermon, Oderkirk, Neff, Kiki, and the rest. Yeah, that's it's one of the most encouraging performances we've had in a good while. And they got a St. Joe's team tomorrow at 3 p.m. on ESPN Plus. That is 10 and 1. Their only loss was on the road to a ranked Villanova team. They've beaten Temple, Vanderbilt, Drexel, among others. They've got a solid team. So you can go out and boost the strength of schedule. This is the kind of game that I wanted like the men to have on the schedule, where it was like a <laughs> solid mid-major, but they just don't have that. The women, it's a nice one here because they've had some teams here the last few weeks that they're, you know, probably a little bit better than. But to play a team like this that isn't like a, they're not a top 10 team nationally, but they're someone that is solid, I think it's a good test, especially on the road. It's going to be fun. It's going to be good. I'm going to check her hoop stats before I run out of the subscription. Let's see if it tells us anything interesting about the kids from St. Joe's. As I chug my water. On a complete aside, on a more personal level, Bennett, as you look that up, don't you hate it when you can feel the sore throat coming on? Oh, those are the worst. It's it's like yeah, sitting in the back of my throat, and it's like I'm here. After when you wake up tomorrow morning, I'm going to have arrived. That's tough. You're dying. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. R.I.P. Me. They got a pretty good rating, it appears. Whoa. 
Well, it's not that not impossible. They've her hoop stats has them at 107th nationally out of 361 teams. So top third of the NCAA here with this uh this What's JMU? side. And James Madison University. It's really not remember this user interface. Unbelievable. It it is it's not as simple as Ken Palm. It's frustrating. They're actually they're right near them. They've got them at 131, although I don't think that includes today's it does not. game, which was like by far their most efficient <laughs> performance on both ends. <laughs> so that's one that will probably skew it a good bit because they, they played really well. So a game where they'll be underdogs, but Jamie but can winnable. pull it out. But very winnable. Look, I'm changing my tune. I'm all in on this women's basketball team. It's going to be a fun season on the hardwood. Yeah, I, so. I can't wait for conference play. Yeah, they're what are they? They're nine and two now with six wins in a row. They're nine and two, and I know you brought this up last podcast, but imagine how different this season feels if they yeah. if they beat Maine. Like if they win the opener against Maine, they're ten and one with their loss to North Carolina with a lead at halftime. <laughs> like so that is a vastly different season than. A home opener loss to Maine. Yeah. So I'm I'm interested to see what they can do once Sunbelt play starts on the 29th. So they got one more. They get by St. Joe's. I think they're really looking at a special season. You get that road game and then start rolling into Sunbelt play. You could have a team that's pretty dangerous. Yeah, if you can pick up the St. Joe's win and roll into a lot of a, a couple more wins in a row, they might be getting receiving votes. Who knows? They're close. They're getting close. Yes, sir. Anything else you want to add before we get up on out of here? This might be our quickest since the offseason. This was definitely a quick one, but I don't think I have too much else. All right. For Bennett Conlin, my name's Jack Fitzpatrick. You guys have a wonderful rest of your day. See you. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube